Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Oh, uh, thanking you for another day, Lord, not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time with my brother and sisters, Lord, that you've given us yet another day that we get to partake in your word, that we get to be brought together in fellowship, that we get to talk about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, which is Jesus Christ, the name who's above all names. For Lord, you are the great physician. You are, Lord, a healer to the broken. You come to set at liberty them that are bruised, and you came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You came, Lord, to set the captives free. So I pray, Lord, in this night, for all that we have to do, all that we're going to do tonight, Lord, that you not hear a man's heart. I pray, Lord, that you, there is no flesh that gets glorified tonight. I pray just that the Holy Ghost of God will come upon us and teach us his word. And if your power be on display, Lord, if we are merciful, if we are graceful enough in your eyes, Lord, to call for such a thing, let it be done. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every rejecting spirit, every spirit, Lord, that is not of you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. I pray that you bind it. And I pray, Lord, that we don't utter words that don't come from you. Lord, I pray for the brethren that didn't make it today. I pray that you watch over them, that you take care of them. I pray that their will be done, Lord, or your will be done in them. And I pray, Lord, that you clean us out. I pray that you open the eyes of those who can't see and the ears of those who can't hear, that your words will be heard, Lord, that Jesus Christ is the true hope of our glory and the hope of, Lord, all things. So, Lord, let us put emphasis on Jesus tonight, for he is everything to us. But we're going to expose, Lord, why it's so important that we have discernment. For you have shown us many things, Lord, about what's going on in this world, what the enemy is doing, how he lies and deceives, how he deals with the emotions. But, Lord, you meant for us to have open hearts and open spirits, not for him, but to glorify you, Lord that we might be vessels fit unto every good work. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, you are just, and you are true, and you are worthy of all praises. Lord, we pray that you do these things for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called Senses Exercised to Discern Good and Evil. Senses Exercised to Discern Good and Evil. Now, where are we going to get into this tonight? This is actually a four-part study, but, you know, this is the first one we're going to cover tonight because I think it's going to be really important for us to get this down first before we even go into the other three teachings because one thing I'm learning, and I've seen a lot these past couple of weeks, how you know how the Bible says that we are to, um, you know, go from house to house if need be, that we all be freed, that we all be in a place of um, lively stones. 
that the Lord can work through us. Well, what I've discovered, you know, is that the devil is also doing the same thing. He's no longer just taking over churches and waiting in churches. He's going from house to house doing everything that the disciples are doing. Everything that Jesus called for us to do, the devil is now doing. And I'm talking about, I mean, he's even speaking in tongues. He's even laying hands on the sick. I mean, he's doing everything that you can possibly imagine. I was kind of hoping my brother would be here tonight because we're going to discuss that when he gets here. But the Lord has been placing things on my spirit about how important discernment is, how we're able to be able to see through our five carnal senses, you know, things that make us feel good, people that will tell us things that will make us feel happy inside. You know, we really want to know the true motives behind what people are really into because it's important. I mean, when we were in the world, we were in that place of how many people have we been done wrong by? How many times were we ever trying to, you know, think that a person had good intentions for us, but all they were was self-serving? You know, they were evil. They, they used, they hurt, they abused. Well, these are things that the enemy does. But if we have God's discernment, then we're able to know what the motives are behind us. And that's why God always gives us this discernment that we might be able to see that we might be able to understand. He's trying to protect us. because, And this is why I've, I've spoken so much in this ministry about not getting caught up in our feelings. Because when we do, man, it's a dangerous place to play. Everybody wants to be liked. Everybody wants to feel good. But you've got to know the intention behind this feeling. Is it of God or is it of the devil? Now, a lot of people think that everything that, that feels good comes from God. That's a lie. You know, God does everything that is good for our benefit. But the enemy, being as crafty as he is and what he can do, he'll make you feel good first, and then he'll come and bring something upon you after. That's how the devil deals. He's in credit. You you know, you um, have fun now, but you pay later. And these are things that the Lord just wants to protect us from. So let's go to Psalm 133, and then we'll get right into the lesson um, concerning discernment. Discernment is not something that we can do. A person can have discernment. Sure. Okay. So a person can have discernment, but the one thing that they need is, you know, spiritual discernment. Because your five carnal senses, and the Bible has made this clear many times, they're not enough to deal with what's on the other side. You might get some glimpses of some things, but they can be very deceiving. And that's why the Bible tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. You walk by sight, you know, you can't even believe your very eyes today with things that are going on. This is a short Psalm. Uh, 133. Psalm 133. All right, maybe it's my New York accent. Sounds like 143, but it's 133. All right, see? So I'm not crazy. You know, right? All right, Psalm 133, everybody there, we'll start at verse 1. And it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. So what we ought to understand is God does love unity. Okay, he does speak of unity, but he speaks of brethren in unity. 
So it's important that we understand this is not just about being together. This is not just about loving others. This is about brethren dwelling together. And as we're going to discover tonight, spirit is thicker than blood. That's one thing you've got to know. I'm telling people so you know this ahead of time. But it says that, you know, it brings such unity together that the ointment that they would give the high priest back in the days when they were anointing their heads with oil, that they would, um, the way it runs down to the skirt is how well the unity is supposed to be. So in other words, when things are in God's proper order or headship, we know how there is Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and then there's man, woman, and then there's children. Well, when things are running God's proper order, even from the kingdom of heaven, that spirit is going to flow down righteously and in a good place because of the fact that, you know, brethren are dwelling together in unity. That means that there is no um, disunity. There is no um, heresy. There is no hypocrisy in the midst. Everything is actually going in accordance with the plan of God. So verse 3, he says, As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that ascendeth upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So it's important that we understand that if we are going to have the blessings of God, if we're going to follow the commandments of God, then we have to be in proper order with him. It's just how, you know, in a lot of churches and groups, people will say, well, it's okay that if certain things are not right, as long as everything else is clicking. But this is not true. If we are considered the body of Christ, and I mean, we need to really think about this. If we're considered the body of Christ, and just how we have our own physical bodies as being the temple, if we have anything that is in the body that might be an infection, that might be even a, you know, you can't even have a, a splinter in your finger without your hand swelling up telling you this is a foreign object. It doesn't belong here. So this is not something where we're talking about excluding people. This is about getting what is wrong right that we might walk with the Lord because uh, there was a lot of stuff that I saw. And um, I just got to tell you guys, it became very frightening. The Lord has been giving me visions. He's been telling me, you know, he's been running over me one scripture that's been saying, even if it were possible, the very elect can be deceived. And we don't understand how true that is today. Uh, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> Let's just get into some scripture, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it head on what we're talking about tonight. So let's go to, um, let's go to 1 John 4. 1 John 4, that's at the back of the Bible. We're going to start at verse 1. John 4, we're going to begin at verse 1, and it says, everyone there? Almost. Mm -hmm. So he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, meaning test them, whether that they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby um, ye know, hereby know ye the Spirit of God, Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. 
And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now is already in the world. So the thing that the Lord is talking about here, when you start talking about when you confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, one thing we covered before was what confession means. Confession means to be able to proclaim. So in other words, you're not just speaking about it, you're also living it, you're doing it. So that way people, it would be authentic. But then when he goes into come in the flesh, we have to believe that everything that Jesus did in the flesh was of, you know, was authentic. It's not, well, maybe we don't know if he resurrected. We don't know if he meant this so or he said that. When you believe that he's come in the flesh, then you also believe the works that God did in him in the flesh. Because you find a lot of false religions out there. I mean, Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, so many others where they believe some things about Jesus. They're quick to say, yeah, he's a son of God. But they don't want to believe that he was God in the flesh. They'll, they'll tell you that he's Michael, the archangel, which is not true. But they will not call Jesus God. They will never call him that. And I found that every false religion will do this. And that is a good way of spotting it. What we're going to also discuss tonight is when it says Jesus came in the flesh, everything that he told us in the flesh was about eternal life. He never talked to us about burying or saving our treasures in doing things here. He, and it's not that we can't do things here, but he always spoke of, you know, what's in the future, my kingdom, not the world. What we're going to learn about a lot of false prophets is they'll always lead you back to the world or some carnal thing, something that you might want in the world to entice you. That's important that we understand that. If you want to really know what is a gospel of Jesus Christ, when you get down to the nitty-gritty, when you break this thing up to the smallest possible compound, to the smallest common denominator, the one thing that you'll hear in false gospel, though they may say a lot of things right, they'll always point you back to the world. They'll always point you back to physical means, things that you would desire. The word of God is not only meant to get you out of here one day, but it takes your mind beyond the physical realm. It takes you to eternal life. It takes you to a greater existence in God and believing in him. So we're going to cover a lot of this because, you know, when people start talking about what I can have in this world, I'm at that place in my life. Yes, there are things I would like to do here. There are things I would like the Lord to do in me. There are things that I would want that I haven't had yet. But the end all be all for me is the kingdom of God. I could care less about a country. I could care less about politics. Mm -hmm. I don't care anything about anyone else's kingdom, only the kingdom of God. I can't speak for anyone else. But for me personally, I'm understanding that there's nothing but hurt and pain here. Yep. There's nothing but disappointment. There's nothing that you can keep here. So, I mean, if you think about it, like the Bible says um, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 19, that if we have hope only in this life in Christ Jesus... We are of all men most miserable. That's important to recognize because you know who he was speaking to there? The Christian. He said he didn't say if you have hope in this life only, you are of all men. I've heard people say that, but that's not what he said. He said if you have hope only here in Jesus, you are of all men most miserable. Because he intends to take you beyond, to take you out of this. Not that, you know, like I said, one day physically, spiritually, we'll be there. But he's talking about already having your mindset for the things that are of God. 
All right, so let's go to um, Hebrews 4. You were going to say something, huh? No? I don't know why I felt like you were trying to say something the last 10 minutes. I don't know. Maybe I'm hearing something. I don't know. Well, I was just going to say that. Yeah. I feel I know that miserable feeling because TV makes me sick. Movies make me sick. The music industry makes mm-hmm. me sick. It's like every time you hear something, it makes you hurt and feel sick. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, get me out of here. No, it's, it's true. <laughs> it's so true that you just find so much disappointment. And we got to yeah. ask ourselves, how much are we willing to go through, you know, just to understand that this, what you're looking for can't be obtained in this world. Nope. You are only made complete in Christ. And that is the very thing that the enemy tries to keep us from knowing. That's what he blinked your mind away from. He'll give you a million dollars. You know, he'll let you graduate from college. He'll let you go and do all that you need to do in this life. He'll do anything than to keep you from the source of life, which is Jesus. When the devil enticed Adam and Eve, what did he tell him? You shall be as gods, you know. You will know good and evil. You won't die. But he tried to bring them to the here and now. But what God intended always for us to do was to have him become our life source. The world that we see as it is now is not what God intended for us to have. All right, so this is Hebrews 4. We'll begin at verse 1. And it says... Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So he's warning us ahead of time, hey, you know, let us figure out what this thing is about this rest concerning Jesus, unless you come short of it. Verse 2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So he, in uh, chapter 3, he was talking about the children of Israel when they were trying to get into the promised land, how some of them, you know, doubted God. They didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in his power. And many of them stayed in the wilderness. But as we know, the wilderness is no place to get well. (laughs) You can't remain in the wilderness. It's for a limited time only. You are there to draw closer to God But the end game is the promise. So let us keep that in mind as we talk about this concerning being here in this world. You are only here to get right what you need to and get to know the Lord. So he says some of them were mixed with faith and others weren't. So you see how a little contamination in the body tends to stop or or hold us short from the things that we need. You know, you got to believe and doubt not like Christ. Verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all of his works. So what does he mean here? This is also, when we talk about Christ in us as the hope of glory, You know, man can only reach his top potential in the flesh at six. What is six? You can either be all man, you can call yourself a somewhat good man, you can call yourself a somewhat successful man. But what God intends for us to do is to get into the spirit, which is his number seven. That's why six days he created the world and the heavens, but the seventh day he rested. Meaning what? That when we come of the spirit and Jesus said, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You can't try to do this. You have to take on a nature that is of Jesus. 
So when you are in the spirit, you rest from your own works and God works through you. What's hurting a lot of people is they're trying to be Christians. What God wants you to do is die out to self and let Christ's nature be formed in you. So that way you may have the mind and the and the uh, and ways of, of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants. You want to know what a complete person is, what a perfect person is? That's Jesus. And see, none of us have ever seen the perfect man. He is the perfect man. You know what psychologists tell you? Oh, normal is just a, a setting that you have on your washing machine. Nobody is normal. You want to know what normal is? A man or woman full of Jesus Christ that walks the earth and does his will. This is verse 7. I mean, I think I'm at uh, verse 5. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. So, you know, this is also possible how we talked about the children of Israel did leave Egypt. They did. They left the world behind. They went off into the wilderness. God did that for them. He set them free. But then there came a point that their unbelief only took them but so far. See, we got to understand God knows that there's a lot of things in this Bible when you first hear it. They're hard to believe. He knows that. He knows that your carnal mind, the way that you grew up knowing that there's no such thing as miracles, there's no such thing as the supernatural, he knows that you grew up in that. What he's doing little by little in this wilderness, he's teaching us to believe him. He's taking you through trial, tribulation, having people preach to you, get to know you, that you might know him. But see, when they reached the point of not making it, these guys didn't believe no matter what God showed them. Can we say that that's true in our lives at times? Absolutely. Some of us, the Lord is baptized in the Spirit. Some of us have been brought near death, and the Lord brought it back because he says it's not your time. There's so many times we didn't know how we were going to make it or what we were going to have, but the Lord showed himself. He delivered you. He made a way out of no way. But see, we've got to recognize where the source of the blessings come from. That's what he's given us a chance to do. Get to know Jesus. Get to come and know him. Man, you've tried everything in your life. Why not? What have you got to lose? There was a friend of mine, Melissa. Actually, you guys know Melissa. You know, but I remember when I tried to like minister to her about Jesus. And she was just, I mean, she was in the new age, into that religion. She didn't want to hear anything I said. We argued. We got into a lot of stuff. But then one day, you know, after I kept picking and poking away, she said, you know what? What's going on so good in my life that I can't give them a try anyways? You know, and she did, and things began to happen. But, you know, it's funny with the Lord. He helps us with our unbelief because he wants us to believe. All right, verse 7. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David today, after um, so long a time, as it is said, today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So I pray that the Lord is speaking this very moment because I don't want a man's heart involved in this. Salvation is way too important to have our needs and our desires presented. When the Lord says, or, or, or uh, Paul is saying here in Hebrews, when you hear the Lord's voice, when you hear the Lord speaking through people, when you hear the Lord telling you, come in, give me a try. 
harden not your heart. Don't make your heart hard. Don't get rough. Just, you know, try and listen to what he's saying. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. So he's saying that even though that they had received rest, that their work wasn't done until they made it into the promise. We have to tarry until we make it into the land. We got to run this race with patience because many days you're going to fail the Lord. Many days you're going to miss the mark. Many days you're going to be afraid to do certain things. But this is why we get built up in him that he may give us that faith to endure. Amen. Verse uh, 10, I believe. No, verse 9. Uh, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest is also, I mean, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man should fall after the same example of unbelief. So what is the Lord saying? We need the Spirit. We need the Holy Ghost. There are so many people, pastors out there, Never being baptized in the Spirit. Never having the Holy Ghost. They've gone to seminary for four, six, twelve years, however long they study, and damned to hell. Never knowing Jesus. Never been born again. They might know this word, but you need the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit empowers you to walk this way. Man, what a God. So he says, unless it, we follow that same example of unbelief. Verse 12. For the word of God is quick, that's the word we're reading now, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and to the joints and marrow. So what does the word of God do? When we're born in this world, all we know is the flesh. All we know is the desires of the world, or what we were taught to know. We might get into our souls a little later in life when you start thinking about I need to change. I need things to happen for me. I need things to be different than they were before. But when you get into the spirit, man, God is waiting for us to wake up in that place. So what does the word of God do? do? It touches the spirit, wakes it up, cuts around all that unbelieving, corrupting flesh that we might be born again in Christ. As we talked about before, man is made of three parts. You know, his spirit's in the middle. His soul's outside of that. His body covers the soul. And when we are engaging or, or trying to uh, walk this walk with Jesus, it's like a chain link, like the Audi sign. You got the flesh here. You got the soul here. And, oh, let me not make that symbol. Lord, forgive me. But you got the flesh here. You got the soul here, which is in the middle, neutral. And then you have the spirit. So what happens? The flesh is trying to pull the soul one way to live its life. The Spirit's trying to pull the soul the other way that the Spirit might govern the body. Mm -hmm. Because if the Spirit is governed by God, then we are governed by God. But if we're ruled by the flesh, we will do the things of the flesh. So he says the Word of God cuts in, makes a surgical incision, gets around all that fat, gets around all that corruption, gives us a new heart that we might understand God. Mm -hmm. So he says it cuts through soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So if you want to know if somebody's playing you, you want to know if you're involved in corrupt, dirty business practices, you want to know if you've got real friends around them, you apply them to the word of God. Not that we're self-righteous to tell anyone 
you know, trying to look down on anyone, but this is our life. So it's because it tells us what we need to know in a fallen world. This word will tell us exactly how to live our lives, how to live a healthy life. You know, even, I don't want to say this like how to make money, but in some ways it does because if you cling to the Lord, he'll give you the abundance. He'll give you the things of your heart that you might grow. So it's important that this word covers everything, how to have your marriage, how to do anything, you know? So this is our life source. So the word of God is our first bit of discernment as far as the spirit is concerned. We read about the things of Jesus. We learn about God. We learn what he wants from us. And then once we built those fruit in Christ, then he gives us another place to work in that we might pursue him. So let's go to 1 Corinthians. No, matter of fact, Galatians 5 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Galatians 5, we're going to begin at verse 16. All right, Galatians 5. And, you know, anyone can ask any questions they want, speak freely. You all know that, you know, whatever the questions they might have or they want to know or make a statement, that's okay here. This is an institute of learning, and I don't see why you know, we shouldn't want to be interrupted from learning things. This is what this is about. I don't come to listen to you for 50 minutes. I come to ask some questions because you may not cover what I'm, what I'm dealing with. That should be okay. But see, we're taught this etiquette in church to just be silent, let the pastor speak. Like, no, pastor, I got a question. If I'm putting money into this and I'm here, hey, I need to know something. You know, that's important. So it says, this is Galatians 5 and 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Mm. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So you see, these two were enemies. And that's why when God tells us my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We are learning every day how to walk and be like Christ. And it's a journey. So he says, um, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So you see how it says you can't do the things that you would? Not that you won't, you can't. So that almost sounds like you're empowered by the Spirit, that it is not of your nature anymore. You can't even see yourself going back to where you were. Man, this is the power that we need. Verse 18, but if ye be led in the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, of which are these. So these are the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, which is like greed, idolatry, which is the worship something outside of God, witchcraft, which can be, you know, involved in, you know, occult practices, but it can also be um, like rebellion to God. Like, you know, 1 Samuel uh, 15 and 23 says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So as you can see, they are about the same. So, you know, witchcraft can go on many levels. You know, even if I gave everybody in here cookies because I wanted them to like me, that's witchcraft. Yeah. Okay, because that's not out of a pure heart. Mm -hmm. That's out of me trying to be favored by everybody. I was just going to point out, I heard mm -hmm. somewhere that witchcraft 
technically, uh, if someone is trying to control out of the heart mm -hmm. of fear, mm -hmm. even if it's their own fear, that that's moving in witchcraft. Absolutely. Witchcraft, our fear is rooted in witchcraft. Amen. Yeah. You're absolutely right, bro. Because fear only comes from the devil. That's right, because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Mm -hmm. The only fear that we should have is godly fear. That we, we don't want to hurt the Lord. Because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom right. and understanding. Mm -hmm. So he says, um, this is next, hatred, uh, variance, you know, which is kind of like being different. And then it says uh, emulations. Now, this is a huge part of witchcraft because, you know, one of the greatest questions that we can really ask ourselves is, who are you? You know, most people don't know. It is Jesus Christ that helps you find who you are. Because every day from your life, from the moment you learn to walk and talk, you were told that this is how you need to be. Most people don't know who they are. They watch TV. They learn about hairstyles and things. You know what? That looks good. You know, let me try that. But you've spent your whole life trying to be somebody that you've seen. Think about that. You know, so what does Jesus do? He, he gives you authenticity. He makes you a creation of his own that you can identify with, that you are. So none of us are the same. So emulations is kind of trying to be somebody that you're not. And I, have, I can't lie to you. When I first started in the ministry, I did a lot of emulations. You know why? I didn't know the Lord like I should. I would hear other pastors speak, and they would get all riled up. And I'm like, man, that sounds good. I'm going to try that next week. But you see, that's not authentic. And the Lord's not going to breathe through emulations. He made you your very own individual person. So this is wrath, strife, you know, causing trouble, seditions, division, heresies, which is false doctrine. You know, people bringing in a little bit here and there. Envyings, trying to have something that someone else has. Murders, murders is a big one because, again, a lot of people are telling you today they don't consider abortion murder, but we got to ask ourselves, why is that? You know what the reason is? It's because you want to live a carnal, worldly life. See, these are the works of the flesh. Hey, I can't afford it, so I'll move on. I don't like the person, I'll move on. I don't want to do this, I'll move on. But this is the works of the flesh. This is not of the spirit. And also, murders can be passing your brother by, knowing he needs the Lord, ignoring him. Just going on. That's murder because if you have the life of Jesus Christ inside of you, why not preach the gospel? Drunkenness, that can be alcohol or of yourselves. Revelings, which is wild partying. Living and banqueting and living it up. You know, those are the things of the flesh. The more you get into the... What's that? Banqueting. Yeah, that's what it actually says more than that. But it's like, you know, having big authentic parties and all that stuff... Those things never meant anything to Jesus. Exactly. But those things never meant anything to Jesus. Jesus always said, when you come into a place, take the lowest seat. You know, who cares? You know, but some people have got to be seen and they've got to be heard. And I don't know anyone like that, so let's continue. I'm just All right, so it says, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, love is selflessness. Love has four different levels. I think we've covered that in the teaching before. True love, agape love, is charity. That means selflessness. It's, the, it's almost the kind of love 
it is the kind of love in many ways that a parent can do for a child, and the child can be disrespectful, have no concern for you whatsoever, never want even thank you for what you've done, but you still love that child anyways. That's the kind of love that God has for us, but ten, I mean, it's innumerable compared to what God can give us. So that's true love. But then there is another love called phileo love, like we have towards each other as brethren. But then there comes to the eros, which is kind of like romantic love, you know, which really is governed by phileo first. She's your sister in the Lord, you know, and, and you both love the Lord and he loves you. And then the eros, which what they would call sexual union or that type of physical attraction, is only an expression of the agape. That's all it is. It goes from the agape, God's love flowing down, to loving them as a brother or sister in the Lord, to lastly, you know, <laughs> you know, you're expressing your love to your wife, all right? But this is the type of love that we need is total selflessness, not for gain, not for our uh, good. Then it says joy. The interesting thing about joy, and this is something psychologists and psychiatrists can never tell you. They tell you how to be happy. They tell you how to be healthy and things that will go for you. But you see, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. You can have joy in the, in the time of sorrow. Your heart can be broken. You can be hurt. But you know what? When you lift up Jesus, that's true joy. Mm -hmm. These are the only fruit that are going to make it. Peace, which is the next one. You can have peace in the midst of war. It could be hell breaking loose in your life. And guess what? I'm at peace. I'm all right. Not because of me, but because I believe in someone that can do anything for me. And the more real that becomes to you, the more these fruit will grow in your life. Long suffering. I know this is why the Lord sent me to the job I have. Because you suffer long with these kids. I don't think I even knew what love was until I met these kids. I mean, these guys will one minute... Tell you they, you know, they, Derek, I like you, you know. Well, they don't say Derek, they say Mr. Halley. I like you, you know, you're my favorite teacher. And then they'll just, the heck with you, Mr. Halley. I don't want anything from you and don't talk to me again. But then two minutes later, Mr. Halley, can you help me with this? But you know, the Lord sent me here just to teach me this is what you do to me. So I think the Lord is enjoying me working here. I think the Lord loves it. I think he's saying, good, suck it up, grow some fruit, and get in this thing. So that's God's love for me. And you know what? I'm starting to love it because without long suffering, we can't do the will of the Lord. Did you find some joy at work done? Huh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, one time I was feeling bad because the Lord told me to do something and I didn't do it. He told me to go down and pray for someone. You guys know about that story where I went to work instead. And don't you know, I was feeling bad the whole week, like, Lord, I disobeyed you. I should have gone down there. But then one of the kids was having problems. He was outside throwing rocks. And he said, you know, the state has given up on me. They want to throw me in jail. They don't like me, this and that. They're saying that I'm dumb and blah, blah, blah. Now, I'm in the middle of feeling what I'm feeling. And I said, hey, man, I don't care what they told you. You're going to be all right. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to do what is right. And I said, I haven't given up on you. I'm going to help you out with this, and we are going to get through this. Two seconds later, there's tears streaming down my face, and I'm like, Lord, this is you trying to tell me something. So while I was feeling in defeat, while I was feeling beat up, 
by trying to uplift this kid, the Lord was showing me, yeah, this is what I've been telling you. You know, so I don't want you to walk around in defeat. I want you to get it right. I'm not here to leave you. I'm here to help you go the rest of the way. What an awesome God. So anyway, gentleness. See, a lot of people look at gentleness today, I feel, in the wrong way. Because they look at gentleness as a type of weakness. And a lot of people, when they show gentleness, they try and do it in like a weak sort of way. Gentleness is a sign of God's strength. You ever seen like a father where, you know, and I'm not saying anything about moms. Moms are, you know, they're nurturing and tender and everything. But you know what's awesome about a dad when he gets upset in the house or he says something and the whole house gets quiet? But yet he has a gentle nature to you to where he tells you, hey, come sit on my lap. Come here, let's talk. But you see, he's much stronger than that. He could do much more than that. He could make you afraid of him. But he's gentle towards you. He's not quick to wrath. He's not quick to anger. You understand? But he's, he's showing his strength through his gentleness. Man, that's a fruit that I know he's placed me for that I want. What an awesome God. <laughs> so it says goodness. You know, it's one thing to do a good deed. It's another thing to have goodness. Goodness is a nature. Goodness is a nature that God gives us that, I mean, it's it's something that a lot of people don't know. I'll give you one more example before we move on, because I know this isn't the subject tonight. But when you speak about um, teachers, you know, I'm amongst teachers, and they'll tell the kids what not to do. I see this a lot. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, that was just awful. You know, go to ISTO. Go wherever. But then when the kids go home, these guys are doing the exact same thing the kids are doing. Listening to the same type of music, cursing, talking about their sexual experiences in the workplace and all of this. So you got to ask yourself, are they good or only good by their standards? Are they righteous or only righteous by their standards? Because when someone is good in Christ... Not only am I holding my brother because I love him to that standard, to the standard of Christ, but I'm holding myself. I'm telling them not to do this because it's wrong. So you know what that means? I shouldn't be doing it either. That's only a fruit that God can give you. You cannot fake this. All right, so then he says faith, meekness, and temperance. So meekness is humbleness, and temperance is to sustain, you know, like to... Uh, keep yourself together, I guess, in, in, you know, pressure situations. Against such there is no law. For they that are of Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Walk in the spirit. Walk, oh, no, if we live in the spirit, uh, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. So I just wanted to bring up two different types of nature here. And then we're going to really get into this. So let's go to Hebrews 5, because we are going to talk about this, um, how important it is that we have discernment. Because if we don't have discernment, any one of these things can be looked at as good. Look at revelings. People consider that, well, there's nothing wrong with that. They're partying. They're having a good time. See it through the eyes of the Lord. They'll change your perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hold that one. Okay. I want to go to uh, Hebrews 5, sorry. It'll change your perspectives. All of these things can be mistaken for something else. So, you know, let's just go there real quick. Where are we 
Hebrews 5, and we're going to start at verse 1. Anyone want to add anything they can? Not. We'll just keep on going. Oh. Yeah. With the gentleness that you were talking about, it reminded mm-hmm. me when you were talking about, you know, your father. It reminded me of my mom and dad because my mom was the one who would do, like, the yelling and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, talking to me about mm-hmm. it. But my dad was always the disappointed, calm. Mm-hmm. And that hurt way worse mm-hmm. than what my mom would that's true. I mean, they're both amazing parents, but... And it takes more strength yeah. to be gentle. Like, anybody can just fly off the handle, you know, and just lose it. That's a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. And you just say, you know yeah. what, forget everything, and I'm tired and this and this. You see, but that's how my mom was, you know, in many ways. But my dad was, you know, all right, let's talk about this. Because he's upset. You know, he heard what my mom said and everything that went on. All right, let's talk about this. But this is before he gets into your butt. Like, we can talk about it or it's going to be bad. And when he did, it was always this calming, like, please don't kill me, Dad. You know, it was just that feeling. But when he talked to you about it, you had an understanding. Why? Because you know that he can do more. But he's choosing to this moment to talk to you. And boy, are you ever grateful. You know you stepped over the line, but now you're looking for a way back in. That is the God that we serve. If you could be speaking in tongues at that time, you'd be going off. Oh, man. Forget it. You're absolutely right. So this is Hebrews 5 and verse 1. So it says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained from of for men in these pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. So we got to understand this about Jesus is that if we go back to Hebrews 4, which um, we're not going to go, but it says that our God in verse 15 in Hebrews 4, it says, For we have um, not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like, like as we are, yet without sin. So one thing we got to understand about the Lord is he understands. He was tempted of every sin. Everything that we've gone through, he's been through, but without sin. And I like how Pastor Price said, you don't think that that woman at the well when Jesus was talking to her was a baby doll? Of course she was beautiful. Of course some of these women were. But Jesus wasn't tempted to that. You know, he only came for the will of his father. So he was in all points. He was showing us, guys, this can be done. All you've got to do is come to me, and I'll make you right. So then he says, that's what he means by he was compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof, he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So you see, you can't, you know, throw yourself into the ministry. You've got to be called unto it of God. Now, I'm not saying you can't minister. Most likely, if you find yourself in the ministry, the Lord will give you his spirit and his will will be done. But this is not something we can just bring ourselves. We got to know what God wants so we can be called to the proper place in discerning what his desires are. So then he's and your gifts will be known. People told me I was a minister long before I was. They said, you talk too much. You ought to be a pastor. So, all right, so it says in uh, verse 5, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, 
Thou art my son today, have I begotten thee. And he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications and strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in, in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. So you see how we get obedience? You see how we learn to come to the Lord? Through suffering. Through suffering, we get a better understanding of Jesus. That's one of the awesome things about being in ministry. When you start looking after people within the ministry, when, you know, people in the ministry start getting mad at you for things, and, you know, some people, things happen, it's, it's to bring you closer to the Lord and give you an understanding of Him. When parents are giving kids, it's because you can have an understanding of what God feels. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have a wife, it's the way Jesus loves His bride. It's so you can understand what Jesus is, is, is doing with us. That's the main purpose for it. And we might understand the Lord. So he says, In being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So what is he? The author of, of, of eternal salvation unto all that obey him. That's a conditional statement. If you obey the Lord, you have eternal salvation as your, um, as your uh, inheritance. If you don't, then you won't. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. So he's understanding that these guys don't really get it because they're in the flesh. So he's saying, you guys are dull of hearing. And that's what the word of God can be at times, difficult to understand because it takes a spiritual mind to be able to, um, to, to get it. So then he says, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as need of milk and not of strong meat. So Paul is saying that there is a time when we are called to do the things of the Lord. Only God knows when that time is. But he says in doing so, you still have need that someone teaches you again which are the first principles of the oracles of God. God gives us apostles, he gives us pastors, he gives us teachers, he gives us evangelists, he gives us prophets for the perfecting of the saints that they might do the work of the ministry. Now, will we always have teachers to some degree? Yes, but you mature that much in Christ that you hear the voice of God. When you get to the part of Christ in you, he's the only voice that you hear. Other suggestions that may come out of it you know, you relate to what God is telling you. So this is a sign of maturity. But he said, man, when the time has come, you should have been a teacher by now. But you have need that someone teaches you again, which is what you suffer in the beginning when you first come to knowing the Lord. So as we grow in the Lord and we get stronger in him, he gives us the discernment that we might understand him. But look at what he says. Um, you have need of milk and not of strong meat. So there comes a point where the strong meat is necessary. When you get into spiritual warfare, when you learn how to walk with Christ, you and Christ, these are things that we need. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, this is what you see in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. 20 years pastoring, and all you hear about is love, grace, and mercy. There's nothing wrong with any of the three. But my point is, 
When are you going to take me to the place of Christ in me? When are you going to tell me about relationship with Christ? When are you going to have the gifts demonstrated in your life because you have grown those fruit that will give you the gifts? This is what this is all about. So he said, that person is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So what does it take to walk with the Lord? Because you see, you can be in church, reading the word. You can be anywhere, but you can still be deceived because your senses haven't been exercised to discern good and evil. What is Paul telling us here? Evil cuts deep. Man, good is deep. Things can have the appearance of being good, but not be good at all. Things may be good, but that's not a God thing. What God calls you to do is his will, not cooking up some ideas of what you think will be good. So we've got to be led by the Spirit in all affairs. But he says, man, when we reach that point of full age maturity, we will have our senses exercised mm -hmm. to discern good and evil. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? We start looking for God's counsel. Lord, what do you see in this matter? What do you think? Because this is kind of funny. They seem nice, but I'm not too sure. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've got to recognize I, you know, the Lord put it on my heart to say this because I was kind of like battling it and debating it. But these last couple of weeks, you know, you remember um, what's his name, Chris? He actually messaged me, you know, he, he sent an email and everything about, um, you know, wanting to help with his cause. Um, you know, he brought a good message and he presented things. And I understood what he was trying to say. Mm -hmm except for one thing that the Lord was showing me the whole time we were there. The Lord gave me a seat to sit in. I was facing him. The whole time he was talking, you know, he was talking about America will be saved, America will be saved. But what I saw was high-level witchcraft. Not just because I think so. I was watching the hand gestures as he was going. And the Lord showed me very early in the ministry what those things are. Mm -hmm. That is Freemasonry. That is occultism. But even when people were asking him questions, he kept, I don't want to imitate it. Lord knows, because I don't want to push anything in here. But it was like he was doing a lot of this. He's doing a lot of this. He's doing a lot of, you know, when you do this, this is Freemasonry. This is, you know, but he kept doing that to answer. And I felt like he was kind of placing a spell on the people that were there. I mean, Lord was showing that. And then he was going into other, I, I even recorded it. So I want you guys to see this at the end of it. But he was doing a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, it's not that I want to say anything bad about anybody, but I want to alert people to what's going on. Because this guy cried tears. This guy had a lot of stuff. And to be honest with you, he sounded a lot like somebody that I don't even want to talk about tonight. I don't want to go there. But if you hear this guy's voice, he sounded so much like that individual. Hand gestures, symbols, emotions. He was trying to, in many ways work us up into an emotional frenzy. God don't work that way. Engaged, and that's something I'm, I'm trying to tell people. It's through the spirit. God don't work with all that. You know, because you, it's just, you know, a feeling. And I, I want you guys, to, man, God don't work that way. Jesus never talked that way. Jesus told you what you needed to know because he, he deep calleth unto deep. He works with your spirit. Your emotions are not necessary. That's right. When I'm in church preaching and I say, can I get an amen? 
That's all flesh. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I want you guys to validate me. That's something that we got to understand that if we're going to preach the word of God, we're going to speak it. God calls to your spirit. He speaks to you. There were lots of other things concerning it, but man, the Lord is even showing us that man, the devil is everywhere. If you think that you got this thing figured out, what is Jesus and what is the devil? You better seek the Lord that much more. Amen. Pray for discernment, guys, because your souls are that important. I'm telling you, it's not as easy as it seems. Don't play with your salvation. Learn the things that the Lord is telling us. And anybody interested in understanding what I'm saying, look up a video on YouTube we did by Sound of Trumpet Ministries called Witchcraft in the Church. Mm -hmm. But as you can see, you found Joel Steve, T.D. Jakes, all these guys doing the same symbols. You know, and a lot of them are truly satanic. But they say everything right in Jesus. But you got to know what you're sitting under. Did not the devil in the garden quote scripture back to Jesus? So just quoting scripture ain't saying a thing. You've got to know the spirit. You've got to have your senses exercised. Man, that's all the Lord kept showing me. As he was talking, I was like, oh, good presentation. And then he started going into this. Then he was talking about needing money. And Lord knows, I'm not trying to criticize anybody but I want people to understand something. When the spirit of God moves in you, he is all you need. There were 12 apostles, okay, that came and they did the will of the Lord. They turned the world upside down. All you need is God's spirit and he will make a way from you, for you. You do not need carnal. He might give you carnal means, but the blessings will come from the Lord. But when you start talking about, man, I need this, 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 and this. All right, show me one place in the Bible that the Lord worked that way. So we've got to understand, and he kept talking about saving America. Look, America ain't my concern. My concern are the souls in America to be saved. Right. But you know what a lot of people want to hear today? They're hearing from Trump. They're hearing from all these other people. Make America We're going to make America great. Yeah. America is not my home. Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. When people are turning you back to the flesh, you've got to be weary. Okay? I'm and don't think the devil can't talk in tongues. That's another thing I want people to understand. Don't think that he can't. He's a great imitator. And in Pharaoh's court, remember there was Moses? Everything Moses did, they did, even though God had more power. So you've got to know that the enemy is everywhere. He's Be gonna, careful. He's going to, like you said, he knows scripture. He knows the word, you know. The only one who probably does, who doesn't know the word better than is Jesus Christ. I'm and telling people, I don't, yeah, go ahead, sorry. And it, it's like anywhere that Christians are meeting and, and fellowshipping, that's where the Satan is going to, he infiltrated the church, so why not? Then if you're in a place, the Lord will disturb your spirit. And it's meant for us to... Watch over your brother. I got a teaching called, Are You Your Brother's Keeper? And I'll answer that for you tonight. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Why? Because what happens to him happens to you. We are a body of believers, and we are to look out for the brethren, those in need. That's real love. You going to make a point? Um, yeah. I just make this connection with Dr. Hebrews 5. Yeah, was, um, reading over, and there's a thing, a quote that I 
said to my volleyball girls a lot, and pain is weakness leaving the body. Mm-hmm. And it just connected to, That's you know, a Marine thing, yeah. That's a Marine thing, yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I heard it, but, Sorry. like, spiritually, like, yeah. God just showed me, like, when we're suffering for Christ and being crucified, He is exposing our weaknesses so mm-hmm. He can make us stronger and grow spiritually um, and exercise those senses. And when you exercise, you experience some pain. Absolutely. Um, so that's that weakness leaving, mm-hmm. so you can grow stronger spiritually. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's a really good point. No, it's so true. See how many things the Bible inspires, even the U.S. Marines. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, the Bible is a source of all. Well, not for the murdering and everything else, but I'm talking about in terms of that little saying, pain is weakness, leaving the body. Paul said, I glory in my infirmities, you know, going through. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, and then we're going to bust this thing wide open. Also to add to Sarah, you were talking about, and both of you mm-hmm. were talking about, church mm-hmm. um, I try not to the Lord's kind of been uh, showing me other things about it but uh, 104.1 or 104.5 I just listen to it once in a while mm-hmm. and because um, usually it's just such a waste of prayer and such a waste of time to listen to that because mm-hmm. you're not really I don't know seems more of like a country station than, uh, than a worship mm-hmm. station right and uh, the other day I was listening to it not too long ago um, and uh, a girl was on there kind of younger maybe and she's talking about uh, she's talking about how she used to be in a, in a, a cult and how she used to have someone that taught her witchcraft mm-hmm. and uh, at that time she was partially in the church as well and she bring it up to her cult leader um, she's like a witch doctor if it's okay for her to be in church and mm-hmm. the witch doctor said oh that's fine we have a lot if, of our people in the church oh yeah you'd and be surprised is, you're right brother dad this is insane, you know, because you, you can imagine the people with the 104.1 station, they're like, what is going on, you know, because they live in a la la land. Yeah. Where, so true. What? This, there's no spiritual warfare. I, I told um, somebody I work with, um, and she she's uh, considering getting um, testosterone for a transgender thing, and I mm. told her, I was talking to her about witchcraft and just um, all this stuff, and she thought I was crazy. She had, like, no idea. Like, she's willing to go do this, but... I have no idea about witches. Common sense sounds crazy to her. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing about discernment is that, you know, over the years, people used to believe everything. Like I said, mm-hmm. your 80-year-old grandmother had more sense than a scientist that studied for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Your grandmother related everything that was wrong to the devil. Mm-hmm. All right? That's what your old 95-year-old <laughs> ignorant grandmother always said. She knew the Lord. She might have had second-grade education, but she said, you know what? That's the devil right there. The devil has got you, boy. You say, oh, man, I got gas. That's the devil. You know, so there was a point where the devil couldn't hide. But you see, now they're telling you, oh, there has to be a logical explanation for everything. And what is the devil doing? Making our minds carnal so he can come out spiritual as the Savior. That's why he wants Jesus gone, because Jesus tells us too much. He keeps our eyes open. The devil wants everybody to go to sleep. So when he comes on the scene with spiritual works, mm-hmm. people will say, oh, man, this has got to be God. But our God told us that false signs and miracles would come. So no one's going to be more offended than the non-Christian. So this is 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1. Everybody there? Mm-hmm. All right. So he says. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's 1 Corinthians 12 and 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. I would not have you ignorant. 
ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Why is anyone who has the, um, well, the Holy Ghost, the people that have it can only call Jesus Lord? Because many of us have accepted Jesus as Savior, but very few of us have accepted him as Lord. Right. When he is Lord over your life, that means he governs it. That's why he says only by the Holy Ghost someone can say that Jesus is Lord. Mm -hmm. Jesus could call God the Father, Father, simply because he, he was, but Jesus obeyed his Father in all that he did. So when something is your, someone is your God or your father, because many times that people don't even recognize that God the Father is Jesus Christ's God. He's his God and his father, but Jesus is also God. But it's something to understand that only by the Holy Ghost, only being driven by the Spirit of God, you can call Jesus Lord. Jesus told his people, why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? He said that. So that ought to tell us, Hey, why do we call him Lord and not do what he tells us? This is all, you know, little steps here and there, but he's talking to us about spiritual gifts. Now, there are diversities of gifts. They're different gifts, but the same spirit. So a lot of people will tell you out there, I've got a spirit. I've done this and that. You may have a spirit, but it may not be the Holy Spirit. There's only one spirit that, that is holy, and that is the spirit of God. So it says, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So we need spiritual gifts because we this is the way that we profit. Paul, we're going to go there, but the point is, is that the spiritual gifts are what sign off on your authenticity in Christ. Man, it's almost like a tree with no fruit on it to have it, you know? Let's desire these. He tells us to. So he says, um, for to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom. Now, what is the word of, uh, uh, to another, the word of knowledge? The difference between the two is the word of wisdom tells you what, um, how to deal with the thing. The word of knowledge tells you what a thing is. And that's why it's important because you might have the word of knowledge, but if you don't have the word of wisdom, you can still do the wrong thing. You may say, okay, this person's a, a false prophet. So what do you do? You jump up and you start talking about this person is false, blah, blah, blah. And you might not even be led by the spirit. So the word of wisdom will say, okay, you know, hold your horses, relax a second. I know that that's false, but here's how I'm going to tell you how to deal with it. Why? that Jesus Christ might be glorified and souls may get saved. So we need that. And then he says, um, to another faith by the same spirit. So there is a gift of faith. Can you imagine having a gift so strong that it is impossible for you to not believe God? That is the gift of faith. It's one thing to have faith. But when Jesus walked on water, when he raised the dead, that's the gift of faith. Why? Because it takes belief beyond what the carnal mind can grasp to do the righteous works of God. What is he trying to do? Get rid of the doubt. That's what the movie The Matrix, I hate to keep going there, but that's what they were trying to tell people in that movie. Remember when Neo says, I know what you're trying to do? What did Morpheus say? 
I'm trying to free your mind, Neo. Get rid of fear, doubt, and unbelief. And that's why the Bible tells us perfect love casteth out fear. Yeah, sorry, brother. The, I just wanted to add on to that, that yeah. idea where uh, having faith beyond your mind. Abraham, when he sacrificed Isaac, or was yes. to sacrifice Isaac, mm -hmm. there was that opportunity for him to doubt because God had promised him before that that he would have many seed Amen. or his kids would be as numerous as the stars through Isaac. That's right. But instead of doubting God mm -hmm. or saying God was going to turn back on his word, Abraham had took it as an opportunity to have more faith and said, even if I kill my son, <laughs> even if I kill my son, God will resurrect him. Amen. And see, that's the kind of faith that God wants to bring you to, yeah. that there'll be no family, no blood relations, no anything. That will not allow you to put God first. That's right. You're right, brother. I mean, that's the truth. Where's the faith, man? Where's the faith in God, although he's never failed us? Mm -hmm. We've got to seek him. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more real he becomes. The more time you spend with the world, the more real the world becomes. You cannot have both. You will not believe one. You might believe one, but you won't believe the other. More faith in Jesus, less faith in the world. More faith in the world, less faith in Jesus. And this is why you can go to somebody and ask for a specific amount and what you need because you're relying on carnal means to get the work done. Right. The Lord's will has to be done. I'm not against donations. There are people trying to donate to this ministry and do things. But even when I tell them, no, the Lord will handle it, they're like, well, we're going to send it anyway because we believe the Lord is telling us to. So what am I going to do? Tell them, if you send it, don't ever call us again. That's foolishness. If the Lord wants to support it, he will. It's God's sovereignty. Amen. The Lord could do anything for us. So then he says, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit. More faith in Jesus, less faith in the doctors. I was looking at, and I'm not speaking against some doctors, but because sometimes, you know, you got a broken arm, whatever. But the thing is, is Jesus Christ is the only one who can make an individual whole. Right. We've got to believe these words that he can heal. I know that he can heal. The Lord has revealed himself to me several times. But the point I'm making is, is there are, um, I looked up this article where it said, is your doctor lying to you? I don't know why the Lord always gets me to places and finds things. But there was a guy who was giving women, uh, what do you call it, uh, chemotherapy that didn't even have cancer. That guy's already been arrested, and, then, you know, he's on trial. He might be already in jail. But the thing is, is there are, there's been known that doctors will tell you you've got ovarian cancer just so you can, you know, get yourself clipped and you can't have any more kids. You've got to trust God. There are people that have been told that. They've gone and had healthy sets of twins, not listening to the doctors, telling them that they would have cancer. We've got to trust the Lord in everything. This whole world lies in wickedness. I'm telling you, doctors are making money off of medications. They don't care about people. Some may come into it with honest hearts, but they still got to take that Hippocratic oath. They still got it. Well, if this happens, oh well. You know, we've got to recognize that Jesus Christ is the only one, even if our faith is still somewhat weak, can ask the Lord to, to send you to someone that can actually, that, that has honest means. There are some honest doctors. But when we start walking in the spirit, man, forget it. That's a game changer. Ultimately, it's being healed by the Lord. Even if you 
find out if you have something. Mm -hmm. You don't take the, you don't need the medication. The medication will make you worse. You can't, it's already been proven, Sarah is correct. You can't drug the body into good health. There's no way in the world that that can go. All you get is like moments of relief, but then you've got to keep on going. So God intends to make people whole. He's done this. Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits. And I want to stop right here because this is what's most important. We need to be able to discern what is right and what is wrong. Not by our standards, not with our eyes, not with our ears, but with the discernment of God. Because these things will deceive you. You know, in my mom's church, I love my mom and, and everything, but I know that there, you know, a woman can't be a pastor. A woman can be a, a minister, she can be a teacher, but she can't be a pastor. There's no scripture for that. But she still goes to a church where there's a woman pastor. Hey, I've told her, you know, that's beyond me. But the point is, and then you're wondering why certain things are happening. You've got to trust God. But you see, if I'm, I could easily stand with my mom against the Lord. I could say, well, Lord, at least they're in the church. But one thing we've got to understand is no matter what we think, no matter what we can, we can't fathom. That's okay. We've got to understand that God is never wrong. God is always right. No matter what it seems like to us, ask him for discernment. We've got to be able to see it his way. Because if we see it from our way, this flesh will tell you so many things like, well, nah, that doesn't sound right. Look at Moses raised by the Pharaoh and his, you know, raised by Pharaoh's family. What did Moses do? He didn't say, well, they did treat me nice. I mean, I can't do what the Lord said. They raised me. What did Moses do? He came back in the spirit doing what the Lord told him to do. God is right and cannot be wrong. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I also want to bring up a point too, guys, because we're almost done here. But I looked in the book of Josephus, who is a historian. I know we read this before. But do you know that there was a time during 70 AD when the Romans destroyed um, Jerusalem that Jesus had told the people 30 plus years before guys when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies flee into the mountains that's in Matthew 24 that's in Luke 21 and that's in Mark 13 he tells you he told them flee now this is why I'm so you know on this but this is from the book of Josephus who was a true historian this is Josephus, the War of the Jews. This is chapter 5. And it says, The great distress the Jews were in upon uh, conflagration, I don't know what that is, of the holy house concerning a false prophet and the signs that preceded this destruction. So God told people to stay. A false prophet told, I mean, God told people to go. A false prophet told people to stay. But this is also what the Lord showed me right after what was going on. So I'm going to start at verse 2. I mean, or chapter, I mean, well, yeah, verse 2. And it says, And now the Romans judging that it was in vain to spare what was round about the holy house, burnt all those places, and also the remains of the cloisters and the gates, uh, to accept it, uh, the one of the afterwards. They also burnt down the treasury chambers, and in, in there was the immense quantity of money, 
and the immense number of garments and other precious goods there reposited. And if you go further down, it talks about the um, fire and everything that was going on, you know, that was there. Like the fire was so immense, they couldn't even see the floor. All right. I just want to get to this point. So it says, uh, the soldiers also came to the rest of the cloisters, which were in the outer court of the temple, whether the women and children and the great mixed multitude of the people fled in number about 6,000. So 6,000 people did actually believe and they left. Then it says, but before Caesar was determined anything about these people or given the commanders um, any orders relating to them, the soldiers which were in a rage that they set the cloister uh, on fire, which um, by which means it came to pass that some of these were destroyed by throwing themselves down headlong and some were burned in the cloisters themselves. All right, I'm, I want to find this point. Okay. So it says, uh, nor did any of them escape with his life. Then it says, a false prophet was the occasion of these people's destruction who had made a public proclamation in the city that very day that God commanded them to get up upon the temple and that they, and that they should receive miraculous sign of their deliverance. Now there was then a great number of false prophets suborned by the tyrants. So they were given by the Romans to impose on the people who denounced this to them that they should wait for deliverance from God. And this was in order to keep them from deserting and that they might be buoyed up above fear to care for such hopes. So you see how even though there was destruction, they had the Roman soldiers there trying to destroy them. That Jesus said, hey, when you even see the armies coming, to flee. Now, nobody took his advice. They listened to the false prophets telling them, guys, everything's going to be all right. Get up on the top of the temple and wait for a mirac miraculous sign of the Lord. So you see, this is still going on today, giving people false hope mm -hmm. in this life. Instead of telling people to get on the lifeboat, which is Christ, that they can be delivered. So it says, now a man that is in adversity, so they're, they're expressing the psychology of someone in adversity, does easily comply with such promises. For when such a seducer makes him believe that he shall be delivered from those miseries uh, which oppress him, then it is that the patient is full of hopes of such his deliverance. So you see, it's easier to believe something good than it is to believe something bad. Mm -hmm. If I were to tell everybody in here, guys, this is going to be your year. The Lord's going to give you all a million dollars. I can just feel his presence in here. He's going to, he's going to do it. And all your pains will go away. You'd believe that, didn't they say, hey, there's tribulation. There's trials. There's things we've got to go through. And Jesus Christ is our only source of life. Now, if you're carnally minded, what would you believe? You would look to be sustained here, right? Man, it sounds a lot better to get a million dollars than to find out that I'm going to have to contend for the faith. So he says, Thus were the miserable people persuaded by these deceivers, and such as belief God, and such as belied God himself, which they did not attend, nor give credit to the signs that were so evident, and did so plainly foretell their future desolation. 
but like men infatuated without either eyes to see or minds to consider, did not regard the denunciations of God uh, made to them. Uh, and then they even said that there was a, a, um, a cloud that was over uh, Jerusalem at that time that resembled a sword. Like God even gave them that to tell them to flee, but they didn't even see it. So, you know, when a person is confronted with what you want to accept, good or bad, most people will choose the good. Now, there's nothing wrong with things being good, but, you know, we got to figure out what is good for us. What is good for our growth? Because Satan was the kind one in the Garden of Eden. God told him, if you eat of that fruit, you will die. But Satan sounded nicer, even though he wasn't. He said, man, you'll live. You'll be as God's. Don't worry about it. But this is what we're hearing today. So I'm just telling you all, guys, pray for discernment. That is so important. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we'll begin at verse 1. And I was going to Matthew 16. Okay. All right. Come on, you got something? Um, just reminded me of, you know, how it says, Jesus says, signs follow those that believe. Mm-hmm. You have to believe first, and they're supposed to follow you. You're not supposed to go following after signs. So. And like I, I try and tell people, there are no self-righteous people in here. Mm-hmm. We all knew what rock we crawled from under yeah. before the Lord found us. Believe me. Some people know better than others what kind of low life I was. Only Jesus Christ can change your life. All right, so 1 Corinthians 2 and 1, and it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So what was he preaching? Jesus Christ. He wasn't preaching, have your best life now. He wasn't preaching every day is Friday. He wasn't preaching prosperity. Oh, you put your hands on that phone and you give me a hundred dollars and you'll get back 10,000. There's none of that in here. He's preaching Jesus. All right. So it says in three, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, but my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So we can't forsake the spiritual gifts here that the Lord is trying to give us. The the true uh, ministry is not just one of words. I mean, of course, it's how you live, but it's the power that the devil is trying to shut the life source off from. Anyone trying to bring you back to a perfect life here, I'm telling you, they I'm not going to call them a false prophet, but they might be void of understanding. Jesus tends to take us outside of this, not to dwell here. He wants to take your mind to a place that the world can't touch it. Verse 5, that your faith should not stand in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So God always intended for us to have faith, but he didn't want it to stand in, in man's wisdom. That stuff wanes, you know, like, okay, I believe that you had a good message, but I ain't seen nothing. I ain't heard nothing. So therefore, I'll just go back to me. But when he talks about but in power, see, you can deny some of the gifts and say, oh, that might be fake. But when the power gifts are on display, you can't fake that. I was there. I saw those legs grow out. I was there when the doctor told us she doesn't have HIV. I was there when that person was cured of cancer. So we've got to understand that God's gifts 
His power is what we are to rest on. But we need discernment in how to get it and what to do. Not to be in places that shut off your life source. Because ain't nothing bound you like religion. Believe that. Verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Now this is big, because he's telling us that the world itself has wisdom. But he speaks the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of this world. So you see, that's why when you try to mix Jesus with politics, when you try and mix Jesus with banking, when you try and mix Jesus with health care, okay, the, the thing is, is, that's the wisdom of the world. That stuff doesn't come in here. We don't vote for presidents and this and that. We only got one king, and that's Jesus. But people will continue to look for a political um, solution to a spiritual problem. Man's problem is sin, and that's it. That's the only problem. That's the only thing that we can touch on. It is sin. What does sin do? Stray us away from the Lord. And what we need is to draw closer to Jesus. The Bible says, if you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. So he says the wisdom of the world and the princes of this world, that wisdom comes to naught. They never fulfill their promises. They never give you that which you need. All they do next four years is give you another set of promises. How many people graduated from college still looking for a job? Uh $500,000 in debt. You'll be paying that off maybe for the rest of your life. I'm not speaking against education. I'm just saying in Satan's kingdom, mm -hmm. you will have to pay something for something. And even then, you're not guaranteed what you're looking for. Rest in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. His will will be done. All right. So anyway, um, let me hurry up. So it says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So what is the mystery of God? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God, the very thing that the enemy tries to keep us from. And that's why we were talking about Sunday when Carlin was here. We have never seen the true church of God. We might see glimpses, we might see bits, we might see pieces, but no one has ever seen the Holy Ghost fully govern a church. Where it says, all right, all y'all get together and meet and pray. All right, now I want to send Christina and I want to send uh, um, <laughs> my brother Sam. I want to send them out to go somewhere. Now, see, no one's ever been directed like that. You might find some people that do, but the true church of God works in a coordinating body. It is governed by the Spirit of God, not by man's wisdom, not by man's knowledge, not by man's ideas. Well, you can be a greeter here because we need somebody to seek people. The Spirit of God intends for you to reach your full potential that you might go. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? They had their own ideas, trying to hold back a little from the church. The Holy Ghost wiped them clean. That's something that we got to recognize no one has ever seen the manifestation in this time period of the true church except in the book of Acts. Or, you know, those who walked in the spirit after that. All right, so he says, but God hath revealed unto them. I think that's where I am. Nine. I'm in verse 9, okay. I'm in verse 8, actually. You're still at, oh, yeah. And it says, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. 
But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it, has it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Man, you, what he's saying is you can't even fathom. Whatever you would have found, that you would find as a true dream to you, something that you could, man, just fantasize about day in and day out, you're not even close to what God has prepared for them that love him. I can't see it and ear can't hear it, nor can it even enter into your heart to feel it, the things that God has for them that love him. Now, would you rather have that, or would you rather try and settle for something that you already know doesn't work? And how do you know it? Because you've done it all your life. Verse 10, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Don't you want to know the deep things of God? Don't you want to know what it is to have the Lord speak to you, give you signs and visions, walk with you? Man, that's greater than anything. But it says, um, For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Again, not only does the world have wisdom, the world has a spirit. Okay, when people love the world, they hate God. That is, that is, I mean, you know, that just goes without saying. When you love the world, you hate God because you know why? God won't let you do what you want to do. Okay, but when you love God and you get the take of his nature and you like the thing, you start to like God. In the beginning, man, I tried to skip through all of this. Like, man, God will still love me if I do this. And then you read all the things that he wants for you, and then you got a choice. Do you continue in the ways you're going, or do you change? That change takes time. Year after year, you stop doing certain things. He builds you up, and he begins to trust you. And then what happens, man? You start, the Lord starts showing you things. Man, you know, those are the things that you want by God's Spirit. Which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. So you want to be taught of the spirit, not of the flesh. Mm -hmm. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Look at 14. But the natural man, what is a natural man? The psychikos, the man that, that perceives things by his five senses. That's a soulish man. That's a man that sees everything carnally. All right, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. If you go into a church and you tell somebody that their pastor is false, and you say, man, he's, he's teaching false gospel, and the Spirit is telling you that, you better hope you don't get beat up. Because, you see, people have learned to love personalities mm -hmm. aside from loving the Lord. I tell you all, don't defend me. If someone says something negative, hey man, let it be. But if they say something about Jesus, defend Jesus Christ. I'm nobody. I'm just a clay jar here with glasses and a bald head. Don't defend me. I can't give you life. Only Jesus Christ can give you life. Because see what the devil is doing, this is another thing we need discernment for. He's getting people appended to personalities. People are starting to look at personalities. So it's going to be nothing for the Antichrist to come in. Exactly. 
There's going to be nothing for the Antichrist to come in as a man and drawing everyone to him. But if your hope is in God, you can be around men and hear the word, and, and the spirit will dissect what is true and what is not true. But when you're appended to a personality, everything that person says or does is right because you're seeing it through carnal eyes. And there's no one perfect but Jesus. And, and so he trust, says, Your trust is in that man, so God. Exactly. Yeah. So these things are spiritually discerned. Mm -hmm. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Why is he as spiritual judged all things? Because his judgment is righteous. His judgment is pure. It's sanctified. It's of the Lord. It's not with a double standard. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So what we want to have is the mind of Jesus, not the mind of ourselves. You know, and I want to encourage everybody to read, uh, you know, First um, Corinthians chapter 11, where it talks about discerning the Lord's Supper. Okay, because a lot of people will go, they take communion, they do Lord's Supper, and the Lord says that we need to be, we need to know what those things are before we call ourselves drinking of a cup. He says, if you drink of that cup unworthily, that many have have been sick and many have died because they are they are in sin trying to sup with the Lord. And he tells them that, that every man should examine himself. Take that moment to examine. And if you've done something wrong, repent and ask the Lord if it's right. And uh, look up Jude 1 when it says that those people that are ungodly, they separate themselves sensual, not having the spirit. It is important that the spirit of God speaks to us because anything outside of that is spiritual sodomy. I'm telling you, they're not coming in through the front door. They're coming through your emotions to draw themselves in. That's illegal entry into the soul that only the spirit of God should do. I don't mean the point, guys. Forgive me. I'm just, you know, look up Isaiah 30. Uh, verses 1 through 10 where it talks about that the people of Israel said don't prophesy unto us um, you know hard things prophesy unto us smooth things you see so there's always something in fallen man that wants to be relieved of his duty he doesn't want to worry about anything well you're not supposed to but let us grow up in Christ that we may be able to take on the assignment that the Lord has given us and that takes time Two more and I'm done. Matthew 24, remember Jesus said, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in his name saying that they are Christ and shall deceive many. He said many false Christs and false prophets will come into the world and deceive many people. So the first thing Jesus said when the disciples asked him, What is the end of the world? What is the sign of thy coming? And all these things, the first thing Jesus says is, Take heed that no man conceives you. I mean, deceives you. So the thing is, is if there's any doubt, I'm telling you guys, in some cases, it's so thick, believe the doubt. Okay? If there's doubt placed there, ask the Lord if it's right. But if the Lord keeps putting in your spirit something isn't right, believe God. Don't trust in man. All right, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, and I am going to close, guys. I just want to read two scriptures. 2 uh, Peter chapter 2 and... We're going to um, pray for our sister tonight. You know. So 
So, you know, coming to Jesus, it's not, it's not a, um, a hard thing to do. You will not be perfect, but you will be different. And we grow in this life, you know. If you doubt God, just say, Lord, you know, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. Show me who you are. And he will, because that's the God that we serve. So it's 2 Peter chapter 2. Yeah, sorry, 2 Peter 2, and we're going to look at verse 1 and um, 2. All right, and then we're, we should be done. So this is 2 Peter 2 and verse 1. It says, But there were false apostles, I mean, false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who shall privily, or who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. So what we got to look at is the word privily. Privily is like sneakily. Privily is like in an enticing way. You know, they might tell you, uh, one day Sarah and I went to a church. Remember that um, guy, he was sending stuff to our mail about he was a prophet and he was going to do all this stuff and he was going to explain the book of Daniel and the end of the world. So we were there for 10 minutes and the guy said, you know, uh, Muslims, you know, I believe that they are going to go to heaven. I, I'm, I know Jesus is the only way. I know Jesus is the only way. But, you know, I believe that a lot of people are not conscious of the God they, God they serve. You know, many people got up and walked out. But I tried to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. I came back a second night. He got another $10 from me, okay? But he didn't teach me anything. Didn't even mention what he said he would. So I ain't that desperate to go to church that I'm going to be fooled by the devil. Right. <laughs> so he says... They bring in damnable heresies. So these heresies are not just things that you can overlook. These things are detrimental to your soul. It is important that we know what we get ourselves involved in. I'll tell you a few damnable heresies. I know some people don't think it's important. I think the pre-tribulation rapture doctrine is damnable. Why do I believe that? Because if you were looking for a place to run and hide, then who is God going to use in these times? If the disciples, if the apostles, if you had all these people that were of Jesus endured persecution, then who are we? Are we greater than Christ that we're just going to walk out of here in a free ride? Jesus said that all that, I mean, Paul said all that will live godly will suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Why do I think it's damnable? Because it changes your mind about God. Mm -hmm. Instead of getting ready, you want to leave. Instead of getting prepared for the, the hardness and the battle that the Lord wants us to be in, you're looking for a means of escape. So that just shows, in many cases, no faith. Also, there's no biblical evidence to support it. Usually when they do go for a preacher of rapture, they'll try and take one little line here. They'll take a line here. They'll run back here look for more lines, run back to the front. They'll try and stitch it together, things that it never said. And I'm standing by that. I don't care who doesn't like it. Right. And then it says, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many, you see, the Bible always says many. Now let's ask ourselves, is the pre-tribulation rapture more popular or is it not popular? It's more popular. Most people believe in it. So the point he's making here, when he says many, the Bible always uses many as a negative thing. He always says the few. Few there be that find the way. Many will fall into perdition. Yep. You know, you got to trust in the Lord. But he said many will follow their destructive, pernicious ways. 
by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Now, if I were to go and tell people about that doctrine, people would call me evil. You're a false prophet. Who are you to tell people? I'm reading it right here in the Bible, what it is and what it isn't. But you see how people will call it evil? And through covetousness, that's the real reason. They're greedy. I don't want to suffer for the Lord. I don't want to know Jesus. I don't want to do what Jesus says to do. I'm looking to get out of here. So he says, their covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. But what is the Lord saying? They're out there deceiving people, making money off the people, bringing more people in. But don't think that the Lord has forgotten about them. Mm -hmm. Deceivers themselves always wax worse and the Lord will deal with them. What I'm saying tonight to end on a good note, let's hear the words of God. Amen. Don't, he's not asking you to feel anything about it. He's asking you to obey. And that's why he tells us to study. Don't believe a word that I'm saying, guys. Study yourself and see if I'm right. Study yourself and see what the Lord shows you. Don't believe me. Who am I? But see, if I am telling the truth, then that brings a responsibility of what the Lord is looking for. Uh, you know, we've got to believe God in everything that he says. Let's trust him. Let's pray for discernment because this is going to be a long fight. This is a long battle. And the enemy has a lot of tricks. We haven't seen the best he can do. But if we cling to Jesus Christ, we'll be all right. Why? Because I read the end of the Bible and I know that we win. So let's stand with Jesus against all deception and things that are not of him. All right. I'm done. Praise the Lord. She's going to do one thing. Let's go to Psalm 119. Verse 1. Just kidding. Psalm 119 and 133. You're going to read all of them, right? The longer time. I never had to pick the longer time. We're going to get to that point. You ain't gonna read the whole thing. No. Psalm one nineteen. <laughs> Being here until two o'clock in the morning. Wow, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. Psalm one nineteen and verse one twenty nine. The other It's the Hebrew alphabet also, mm -hmm. but it's like, yeah, each one of them means something. That'd be a good study to get into. Because it talks about like a, a lamentation, which is like beating on stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. they're probably just like singing this and making sounds all over the place. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Marching through the street. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, so verse uh, 129. Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. So, what this is saying here is, is that if we come unto the Lord, and we're humble, we're seeking Him, you know, that He is all that we need. And to find Him, it doesn't mean that you need a theology degree. It doesn't mean that you need worldly wisdom or other man's wisdom. We need to seek Him, and He will give us that um, understanding. I openeth my mouth and panteth. 
for I longed for thy commandments. Look thou upon me, and be merciful unto me, as thou saidest to do unto those that love thy name. So what do we have to do to get the Lord's instruction, his commandments? Is We have to love him. We have to love his name, and he's going to give that to us. Order thy steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so I will keep thy uh, precepts. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. So we want to be learned and taught of the Lord. Rivers of water run down mine eyes, because I keep not thy law. So it's not... The Mosaic Law, he's talking about the Law of the Spirit. So when we're out there and we're talking to people and the Lord's commanding us, I want you to do stuff, and we don't obey it, it should really hit us on the inside that, Lord, I'm not doing everything as you've commanded me to do, and I need you to teach me more, and I need you to, to heal me, and I need you to, to walk with me so I know what to do. And that's it. And, and with that, I wanted to say something, too, because... A lot of people look at the Bible as a historical book that you put on the shelf next to a dictionary. And, and many people in the church view it as that way. And it's not. This is his spoken word, his rhema, put into the logos, the written word. It is an instruction manual for our lives. And if we follow it, if we follow the instructions of his word, what joy and what peace and what Full, what fullness yes. that we could have That's if true. we go along with this mm -hmm. and it's not it's really not that hard mm -hmm. our sinful fleshly nature is what makes it hard but if we can get past that and get into the spirit like the word was brought forward tonight I mean it, he will really open our eyes to see what he has for us we just have to believe simply mm -hmm. believe That's That's right. Right. because you know it's not a bunch of do's and don'ts it's a lifestyle and the Spirit will take a bunch of things out of us as we continue, you know, to endure with Christ. Uh, would you rather, uh, who wants to pray out tonight? I'll pray. So, all right. You know, we're going to pray for our sister. All right. We're going to do deliverance tonight. Next. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. And I want to thank you, Lord God, for another day, another opportunity that you've given to us, Lord, all of us that are here tonight to receive your word. Thank you, Jesus. And to open ourselves up unto you, Lord, to know that you are the King of kings and that you are the Lord of lords. And nothing in our life, nothing that we are going through, Lord, not our past, not our family, not our so-called friends, not our jobs, not anything is greater than you. Not even this fleshly nature that we live in. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, you came down to this earth as a servant to do the will of your Father. And that will was to die on the cross for our sins and be raised again. So we can be raised again with you in glory, Lord Jesus Christ. If we follow after you, if we give up the things of this life, Lord. Yes, Lord. If we change our nature and live after you, and that's so hard for some people to believe because they think that the lifestyle that they are living is great, it's fun, but Lord, ultimately, as I know firsthand, Lord, that lifestyle kills us. Not only does it kill us, but it damns us to hell when you want us to 
to live in you, Lord, when you want to take away the hurtful things out of our lives that the, the doctor says is a condition. No, Lord, it's a sin nature that we must give to you, Lord Jesus Christ, to lay down the world and the lust thereof and to take up our cross and to follow after you, Lord Jesus, you, Jesus Christ, because you're the only one that can fill us. You're the only one that can give us your Holy Spirit. You're the only one, Lord Jesus Christ, that can give us that joy and that peace, Lord, that passes all understanding. That's all the worldly understanding. That's all man's wisdom. Only you, Lord Jesus Christ, you are the only answer. You are the only way. You are the great physician. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm praying, touch each and every one of us in here tonight, Lord God. Whatever we're going through, Lord Jesus, heal our bodies, heal our minds, and heal our souls that we live after you, that we live as godly people, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Raise up your church. Raise up a standard in this room tonight, Lord God Almighty. Let the Holy Spirit come in. Let it flow. Let it touch us, Lord Jesus Christ, in our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus Jesus Christ, God Almighty. I'm praying, touch us tonight. Let the hand of God come down tonight on this room and touch us that we walk out here in newness of mind. Thank Thank you, Jesus, Jesus, that we tell others about you. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus Christ, your most holy and wonderful and omnipotent name, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.